Hello and welcome to the Friday Football Podcast. Uh, I'm joined by two, uh, well, so-called experts today. I'm joined by Nathan. How are you doing, Nathan? All good? Great. Yeah, and I've got Owen beside me as well. Owen, how are you, Kevin? How are you? I'm delighted to be called a so-called expert, even. Yeah, well, delighted to even make it to if that you level. put yourself in Nathan's category, then Nathan would always call himself uh, an expert. So. I would always call myself an expert. Yes, yeah. not many others would think that anyway. But uh, anyway, this week we've got, we've got a few things to talk about this week. Um, talk about Stephen Gerrard's retirement. Um excellent career top top class career that he's had we'll have a little chat about you your thoughts on that Nathan you've seen him enough over the years we'll have a little chat about the Champions League what's happened this week um, Tottenham going out of course Leicester qualifying not so, enough spunk not enough spunk yeah according to Keith Andrews <laughs> always a problem yeah that's it we'll have a little look at uh, Gareth Bale as well Gareth Bale could this impact the um, the, the Island Wales game in, in March that's another one for us maybe to look at today as well Maybe have a look at Joey Barton. Joey Barton, I've seen he's been back in training this week. And, of course, we'll have a look at the um, the weekend fixtures. So, anyway, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Stephen Gerrard. People always talk, you, you see it straight away, the legacy of Stephen Gerrard. How good was he? How good is he? Um, where does he go to from here? Um, what do you think? What do I think about yeah. Stephen Gerrard? I think uh, he will go down in the history of the Premier League as the most self-aware footballer who's ever played in the Premier League. How do you mean? In that he 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 knew how to make an impact for the cameras. He was a player who had great moments. I don't think he had I don't think he had the greatness of a Scholes or a Lampard. Really? No, I think he I I I don't think he dominated games the way they often could. I thought I'm quite surprised at that. I mean, I, I think he'd, he's. I mean, he's. I think he's voted Liverpool's second best player yeah, ever. And I, 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 like, I've had this conversation with former Liverpool players, players who played with. So I've spoken about Daglish, Sunis, yeah. And all so these like, boys. you chat about this with Ray Houghton or Ronnie Whelan, people like that who played with Daglish, Keegan, Sunis, guys like that, and they would all have Gerrard ahead of them. And I then wonder, were Sunis and Daglish as good as everyone makes out? Stephen Gerrard was a. He was a very, very good player. You're making some <laughs> statements here. Honest to God, he was then. a very, very you, good you've player. You've gone big. Can you get any bigger than this? I he mean, was a, like, he was very so good. So basically, player. you're There's saying no that Gra- Graham Souness and Kendall Gleish are crap. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not. That's what right. I'm wondering. Like Souness, from what I have seen, and I don't remember a huge amount of Souness at the time, was, was unbelievable. Was an unbelievable all-round midfielder. Doug Leish was a genius. Keegan was a genius. And players who played with them have Steven Gerrard ahead of them. Yeah. And I just don't see that. I can't believe you're actually saying that about Stephen Gerrard. I, really I just do. don't see it. Is it just the players who are playing with Daglish and Sunes who are saying that? Who played under Daglish? No, if, if like Liverpool have their a vote amongst their supporters. Yeah, you've got people, Aldridge and all these lads who would go and watch watch Liverpool regularly. They'd be around the games mm. a lot. I find I find that amazing. You saying that? Yeah. I do. Well, I just think that, that point about the teammates. I think playing alongside some player automatically normalises how good that player is because you're taking this player on in training mm. every day and you're like, right, I can take on this guy. I should have the belief that I'm just as good or I can take on this guy in certain scenarios. Then you're removed from that and you're watching Steven Gerrard as a fan and you're like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. Mm. But if you were that guy in the Liverpool squad training with Steven Gerrard, would his level suddenly lower a little bit? I, th- I just think the teammates scenario, the people who played with Sunes, the people who played with Daglish, I think that automatically the bar is lowered a little bit for them. I still think they appreciate their greatness, mm. but I still think once you're removed from the situation, you're watching Gerrard as a fan, and that'll inflate your opinion of anybody. I think the mundane bored Stephen Gerrard, and maybe I'm being hypocritical because I would often criticise someone like Jordan Henderson for 
not taking enough risks for been happy to play that little five yard ball and you know picking it up off the centre half when there's no need even though Gerard did that in the latter part of his yeah. career but Gerard always wanted to take the risk he always wanted to do the spectacular so he'll take on the 70-80 yard ball when maybe there was a better mm. option he's taking the ball off players who were in better positions because he wanted to be the hero yeah. he always wanted to be the hero and quite often that worked because he put him like he he wasn't afraid as and maybe that's the what Steven Gerrard's career has different to everybody else like Steven Gerrard's career had these unbelievable well, highs I, I want to go back to your original point that you made you said like he, he had unbelievable moments not necessarily a play that dominated games I, I, I never saw that with Gerrard Gerrard when, when I played against him yeah. played in you know Invariably, Merseyside derbies and things like that. When you played against him, he, he was as, as good as anyone in those Merseyside derbies. That was derbies. a very average Everton team he was playing against. Was it really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. There you go. But I'm, I'm, I'm judging him. I'm judging him then alongside the likes of of a Scholes played against Scholes, playing against your your Keens, yeah. played against your Vieiras, played against Lampards, all these sort of players, and he was every bit as good as those. Every bit. I, I still, I still will put Roy Keane above them all anyway. But that's that's maybe a side issue on, on Gerard. But I find I do find it amazing that you would actually say that he had unbelievable moments, not necessarily because I I saw him as a player. Whenever I saw him, whether it was against a West Brom or whether it was against a Man United, I mm. saw him raise levels or reach levels, should I say, that that were way beyond any any other midfielder a, a, around that time. I think there's a paradox in Gerard's personality. If your description is accurate, you're saying that he uh, is one of the most self-aware Premier League players of all time. But he's also a massive risk taker. I don't see how that works. Well, that's just Nathan's contradicting himself half the time, anyway. So you, you know, you don't know. No, what I think you, he took the risks because he knew what the rewards were. Right. And I think if you're self-aware, in his favor. But he also had like there's not many players who've had the highs he's had, but also have had the terrible, terrible lows that he's had from the obvious slipping against yeah, Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, his mistake against uh, Uruguay in the last World Cup yes. when he ducks out of the ball, scoring an own goal in the League Cup final. Like, down through the years, he's made some horrible, horrible yeah. mistakes that are happens. as much of a part... Yeah. They don't happen. They don't They don't happen to Scholes. They didn't happen to Lampard. These are a key part of Gerrard's character. But they probably happened in, in big in big games though didn't they for, for, mm. for Gerrard that was the thing I know what you're saying they probably didn't happen they, they all would have made mistakes Skulls would have made mistakes your Keens and Lampards all these lads would have made big mistakes but not necessarily in these big games or around these big games in the big moments because in, in many respects career defining moments they, they didn't make those mistakes Gerrard Gerard will always be remembered. As as bad as that seems, he will always be remembered for the for the slip against mm. Chelsea. He will always be remembered for that because Liverpool was so close to win the league that season. Mm. And uh, I if think it happened ten years earlier. He probably wouldn't be remembered. To, to probably the, right. That's probably true. Actually, it's your yeah. last Premier League memory of Steven Gerrard. Yeah, I probably yeah it is. And 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 given how how close Liverpool were coming that season as well, and how spectacular that. That fall was as fall. Excuse the pun there, but it, it, you know it, that, that from Liverpool that season. Um, yeah, I'd probably that, that's why he will be remembered in twenty years, in thirty years for that, which is wrong because I I still see him as an unbelievable talent, a great talent, and a player that that could do things that not many midfielders could. You know, mm. score, pass, run with the ball. You know, tackle. You know, it, it, maybe that was taken out of his game towards the end of his career as, as well. I think he maybe did calm down a little bit, but he had he had some unbelievable moments where he would do players. He would go over the top on players as well. I don't think it can be. It, you can his career can be diminished in any way because if, I think I think he was a 
incredible footballer. Playing against him as well, realizing the talent that he had as well, and the and the energy, and how how quick he actually was as well. How come then he was never able to win a title with Liverpool? How come he was never able to be consistently brilliant that he could lift all those around him? The yeah. two times he came closest to winning the league was because of Torres and Suarez, not because of him. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he won the European Cup, didn't he? In many respects that season, he he certainly carried Liverpool. Mm. Probably on his own shoulders through 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 to that European uh, or Champions League success. Um, it's a great question. It is. I mean, I I would you have him in your all-time Premier League team? No, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Your two centre mids, uh, Keane and Vieira, and you know the, people talk about Paul Scholes and things. Like that. I don't think Paul Scholes was that sort of player that could get the best out of his teammates. Or I think Keane could. I think Keane's the best midfielder that, that's played in the Premier League, and that's having played against him and with him and all. And I, 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 you know that your mind probably. Um, clouded a little bit because you have played alongside him but to see what he brought to his team and, and even playing against United at times when they, they didn't play particularly well in some games he did things where he'd get the best out of everybody else around him now bearing in mind you do have a world class player in Scholes alongside him you do have a world class player in Giggs in that side he would have played alongside you know some of the best players that's ever graced in the, in the Premier League so that's why I think he, he had more than than your Gerard, than your Lampards, than than your Vieiras, but I'd probably say Vieira was a close second on him. Yeah, yeah. I just found watching Gerard, I never fully trusted him. I never knew at the start of a game whether he was going to be the best player on the pitch. There was a chance he would be. Yeah, but I n- could never trust his consistency. Whereas with Keane, he always did it. With Vieira, even on his bad day, he just had the maybe he was played in a slightly deeper role, yeah. but always had an influence on the game. Whereas there were a lot of games where it's, it just bypassed Steven Gerrard mm. more than... Where was his best position, do you think? You know, I'm saying See, in, in relation like, to playing midfield, because he, 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 play, he did play deep. See, I didn't like on. him, and maybe this is maybe there's a recency bias of the way it went over the last few years. I really didn't like the way he played under Rodgers, where he was coming back, which ultimately was the great downfall in the end, coming back in between the two centre-halves, yeah. taking it off, trying to start moves, playing this sort of quarterback role where he's playing just... Okay, you do it twice in the match and it comes off and it looks brilliant. These outrageous 80 yard balls, which he used to do from a different position earlier in his career. Yeah. I really didn't like that defensive midfield yeah. role. Like when Rafa had him playing sort of off Torres, mm. a and he had him bit on the right hand right. side. He played yeah. on the right hand side a lot as well, and he was very good on the right hand side of midfield as well. But I, I think that was his best position as well. So in support of Torres, mm. more so an orthodox number ten, I would say. I think that was when you got the best out of him because he still had the nous about him to get back into position defensively. But he, it was more of that freer spirit could, could get forward, was able to provide assists, and able to get goals himself as well. Was he kind of the last of that sort of ilk of midfielder? I mean, does he get into Jurgen Klopp's team now? Steven Gerrard of 2010. Does does he make this starting <sighs> it's 11 a great for Liverpool? Question. It's a great question. I mean, you'd like to think probably in his heyday, yes, of course he would do. But there's there's definitely a swing within Liverpool and how they play now. Um, mm. From from under Rafa Benitez, from under Julia, under um, Rodgers, Daglish as well. For that. There's definitely a swing in how Liverpool play. In many respects, it was... It was about Steven Gerrard. The, the, it was kind of the team built around him. Now Klopp, Klopp won't... We've spoke about Daniel Sturridge on the show. We've spoke about him so often. Probably Liverpool's... One of Liverpool's best players. Probably the best number nine at the club. Yet he, he can't get into 11 because it's not about one individual. It's about a team. Yeah. So it's a great point. Gerrard 05, that period. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah. Term, I'm sure he would. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sure he would. Yeah. I, it, at that 2010 period is when... It sort of felt as if he didn't trust anyone around him. He got into that spell over the last five or six years 
where he was always getting the taking the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. And I guess you'd say with players, you want them to look for the ball. Mm. But even when he wasn't the best option, he was almost using his status to say, give me the ball, give me the ball, where there was no need for him to take it a lot of the time. And he was coming deep. He wasn't impacting the game where he was in 05, 06, where, or in 09 when he was playing far further forward. I think the deeper he played, the worse he was. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I probably would agree with you on that as well. I don't think you got the best out of him, but I think suddenly you realise, and he probably knew that himself, that he couldn't make those runs anymore. Mm. He didn't have that dynamic, um, you know, turn of pace that he would have had at one time, and you kind of adapt. I think he, I think he did it adequately, but I don't think you certainly didn't get the best out of him anyway. And it was almost as if you're trying to hold on to a career there for the last few years, and, and I've seen it with other players do that as well. I think you can put that into context to Nathan's point earlier about when Gerard was great it was because he had Suarez or a Torres. I think similarly in terms of that role and how far advanced he plays, I think it was his quality was was reliant a good bit as well on who's behind him. I mean, it wasn't just your Fernando Torres, it was also down in part to Chabi Alonso as yeah. well. It was down to Javier Mascherano. Like, yeah, I, I think that was just as important and I think the kind of, as you said, a quarterback role that Gerard took up I don't know why that happened. Perhaps it was a lessening of fitness later in his career, and he still maintained that quality. And or he, he looked around and saw Jordan Henderson and thought, "I don't trust you in that position quite as much as I trusted Mascherano and Alonso." That could be mm. it. Yeah, I think you, there's maybe a point to that as well. Yeah, of course there is. Liverpool playing a different sort of way as well. Of course, they were trying to uh, adapt and maybe trying to implement Rogers' plan. I suppose going forward with that, but it. it you still can't get away from the fact is that Liverpool were very close. I take your point as well that without Suarez that season, Liverpool certainly wouldn't have been up in in the or certainly wouldn't have been pushing late on to win the title. I think we, I think that's widely accepted. I think we we all know, know that that Suarez carried Liverpool for two or three years. I feel mm. in that side when Gerrard was in there, and um, yeah, it's I just I just I just think it's a little bit sad that that will always be brought up with him. You know, he's finished his career. He's had a, he's had a great career. Um, both for England and for Liverpool and and Galaxy maybe going out the last couple of years but he'll always be remembered for that slip and he'll always be remembered for maybe for for the or not great moments considering how well he played in that mm. Champions League final and how well he played through that run for Liverpool to get into the Champions League final even the way he finished last season on his last appearance and the big swan song and they were at home to Palace was it they lost in the late kickoff oh, yeah. lost 3-1 yeah. and it was just Oh, the season came to absolutely yeah. sent nothing. off. Sent off against yeah. United, you know. And yeah. Man United, you know, his last game at Anfield against Man United, he gets he comes on the pitch with it thirty seconds and he yeah. gets sent off. Yet these, I suppose, these moments, yeah. And what about uh, the LA Galaxy era, though? Yeah. Well, that's all. He, he he's dropped for his last ever game. I know. His last ever game. He's not on. He's not picked in the starting eleven. How? I mean, how how he can't get in that side? I I, I saw him. I saw the MLS was. There. I even watched that yeah. game. Kevin Dahl was playing for for Colorado in that match and. The standard isn't great. I don't think it's great. I watched him a good bit earlier in the season for LA and he clearly wasn't that bothered. But when he was bothered for the four times during the game when he'd get the ball in a position where he fancied it, like it was so easy for him. Yeah. He'd just skip around two defenders, flick a little ball into Robbie Keane. Like it was brilliant, but he just clearly didn't have Keane's ethic. He's saying it's an, an appetite. That's it. Uh, hunger. hunger, yeah. It's, it's a good shout though. I think, I think sometimes you go out there and you talk about that retirement going out to the MLS and I think it was a, it was difficult for, for Robbie Keane going out there he probably went over a little bit earlier as well in his career Robbie but there's still a lot of pressure on the on the designated players there to produce you've got to produce Is it too harsh to suggest that Robbie Keane likes football more than Steven Gerrard? Well you see Robbie Keane likes fo- loves football yeah. football is his main love Yeah. 
Stephen Gerrard's main love is Liverpool. Stephen Gerrard. Oh well, is that is that one and two? Uh, what, what 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 brings you to that conclusion? Just watching him over the course of his career. Yeah, I, I think I think Gerrard's got a very soft spot for Liverpool Football Club. And I think this is, is why I club bring him back. This is perhaps mm. this that is was why maybe my next part was going to move to. Yeah, yeah. This is why I doubt uh, a huge amount of success for him in terms of coaching or in terms of what his next step is because I just don't think he loves football as much as other people. Do you think that? Yeah, that's a good chat. I mean, when you watch another Liverpool player that's finished, Jamie Carragher, you see him on two. You can tell he loves football, yeah. can't you? You can just tell he just eats, sleeps, everything football. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair point as well. I mean, again, it's an outsider looking in. You can never tell that, can you? You can't really you can't really make that assumption without I don't know. We're viewing it from a different sort of angle, but I'd, I'd go with that. I would. I think he's probably not got that love. I mean, Robbie Keane, knowing Robbie when he was a young lad coming through as well, and how much it, he just he did. He just lived for it. He he was a born footballer. If ever there, if ever there was one, he was mm. that player that just. You know, you could go out and he'd be as happy playing in the street with his mates as he would playing in front of 50,000 at Lansdowne or whatever. You know, that that was Robbie. That's the way that he was. Robbie Keane was the annoying kid who owned the ball and if he his side conceded a goal, he'd take the ball and storm off home. Yeah. He, <laughs> like, he kind of owned the game, I'd imagine, as a kid, whereas Gerard, I'd say, was the kid who kind of rocks up to the playground, a little bit of a, a shady character. People don't know who this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this. Yeah. We're getting sued. Yeah. <laughs> No, but it's it's, it's it's interesting point I think on it as well. How, how are we gonna how are we gonna judge him? And you know, it's we know how good he he was. We know the talent that he had as well. But it'll be these moments that people will forever yeah. remember with him, won't they? What next for him? I remember you said that Jurgen Klopp's. I, I saw something that Jurgen Klopp has. Um, uh, sorry, something written uh, on Jurgen Klopp today saying that he, he expects um, Gerard to be back in some capacity at, at Liverpool. Now, whether or not that's going to be in a coaching capacity, whether or not it's going to be some sort of ambassadorial role, which that will always be there for him anyway. Yeah. You know, that, that will always be there for him. I think it would be nice if, if he did go into coaching and he was maybe, I don't know, taking the 18s at first, taking the 21s or mm. whatever it would be, get involved that way. Whether or not he wants to, you I don't know. You'd really love it, wouldn't you? If you're mm. in Stephen Gerrard's position where you got bucket loads of cash, you don't need the money. You probably have Sky yeah. Sports coming to you going coming to us or BT saying here's 3 million quid a year yeah, and you're thinking no or maybe I'll just go and coach the under 18s yeah. it's the hours as well the hours my way up for the next 8 yeah. years and it could go horribly wrong and God knows what happens he's just starting to dig into this American pie though I mean he's just settled into the culture there and I can't imagine that he's not absolutely loving it I mean where better to live in the world than Los Angeles with a huge bank account. I mean, obviously, <laughs> it's not a great place to live if you're not so rich. I think he'll come back. I think he'll come back. I think he's a home bird. I think he'll be back in Merseyside. I think he'll be back in. Uh, Is Robbie it, moving home. Um, I, I used th- to always love the question. I don't know. Was Robbie at LA when you were playing with Ireland? No. Yeah, yeah. Was I he? think he was. I think he was. Uh, so Robbie, no, it might, yeah. at the Ireland pressers, you know, when he just joined, and Robbie, I said, Linda, LA is a tough, you know, been away from home. Would Robbie be like? Are you mad? I'm living in LA. I'm a professional footballer, earning a lot of money, and I'm living in LA. What? Are you, like, am I homesick? No. I'm mad. Yeah, I, th- I think most of the Irish boys, when they've moved over to the UK, I think when they're like 16, 17, that's where they could get through that homesickness uh, part, couldn't they? I think they get through it at that stage uh, when they're very when they young. They go to the, the Lakers go, games yeah, every Friday they're night. They're going to living in LA. That, that's not it's not uh, too much of a hardship for Robbie, I don't think, out there. Will he come home? I think I think probably Robbie will eventually come back home. I think he'll probably come back and live in Dublin. A few barbecues. Uh, can you get us invited to them now? 
No, Owen can get the invite. I don't think you'll get the invite. No. Thanks, million. Yeah. I, I wasn't invited to the last night's uh, last, last night's, night's reunion. Yeah, we had, we had a couple of drinks after the show. After the fine. show last night, yeah, with uh, Keith and Hunter and Owen, we, were, we had a really decent enough night, didn't we? It was good, an good. excellent, excellent night. Yeah, it was. I'd probably he's probably enhanced because you weren't there, Nathan. That was why. So um, anyway, <laughs> let's let's move on. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on for Gerrard. Anyway, just go back to the Gerrard. I think I think Gerrard probably will go back in in some capacity at Liverpool. That's what Klopp's suggesting as well, and. I think it would be good if he did. I think it would be nice. I don't think he should have left Liverpool. I think he should have been offered some sort of role, player coaching role, whatever it would have been. I think he should have been. I, but I, I just think Brendan Rodgers would have seen him as a threat. I do think mm. that. And I think that was why it would have been. E- it was easy for Brendan Rodgers to let him go. Um, going out to LA, big money, whatever it would be. But I think if there was something done to keep him at the club, I think he would have stayed. And I think he should have stayed. But anyway, that's for another day. Uh, Gareth Bale. No, I'll tell you what, we'll go to Gareth Bale in a minute. Let's talk about the Champions League this week. And as well. Such disappointment with Tottenham. Considering how well they played last season, um, considering how poor Leicester have been this season, they qualified. Tottenham, mm. in a group they should have qualified out of, I feel, they were crap. They were, it was such a bad watch. It was a bad watch. No matter what it, like, throughout this campaign, they've been poor. And what now, really, at the moment, then, for Tottenham, then, this season? Because I don't think they're, going to, I don't think they're good enough to win the Premier League the way that they're playing. Still unbeaten, you can throw that one back at me. But I've seen them enough this season, and it suggests to me that they're not good enough going forward and not going to get enough goals, I don't feel, to, to go and win the... or go and challenge seriously for the Premier League. Well, I only saw the highlights of this game because I was covering the greatest game in the history of the Champions League. <laughs> Which was? Night. Dortmund. Borussia Dortmund, eight. Yeah. Legia Warsaw, four. Yeah, uh, is that the highest scoring game of, of all in, time of all time in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah, very good, no problem, very good. Uh, and you enhanced that? Did you enhance the game? I did. did you... I did. I just shut up and let the goals. Happen, did you? Well, that's, is, that's, that's a rarity. That. <laughs> <laughs> Only you could do that in radio. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were talking about three weeks into the season about sort of how we, what we'd seen from teams over the opening weeks and predictions. And I said then I didn't think Spurs would finish in the top six, even though they were winning games. I just like I agree, they've been really poor, and they've been poor for the last six. Have weeks you seen? Have you been to the Tottenham game this well? year? Sorry, yeah, I was at the North London Derby. I've been to oh Tottenham, yeah, 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 Tottenham yeah, sorry, games. yeah. You were or actually, I think the North London Derby was one of their. Yeah, they did okay in that. I watched that one as a Wednesday. Yeah. They did. They did okay in that, didn't they? But like, you can go through their starting eleven, and you can pick holes in big chunks of it. So they've got a great keeper in Hugo Lloris, and if the back four is fully fit like that's their main oh, asset that back four of the night Nathan. but honest to god but once one of them is gone so if you have Walker Rose out of Varel Vertonghen they're used to playing together like they've all played nearly every game yeah. last season but if one of them is missing then you've suddenly got Kevin Wimmer in your team who is yeah. appalling yeah oh and he he was so poor but is like I, I don't think I don't rate Eric Dyer as a centre half as well I've not seen enough no. of him to play I don't think he's now, too soft whether yeah whether or not he needs someone alongside him that's vocal, that'll maybe dictate to him, pull him into position, get him right, you know, just maybe talk. He might if need he someone. Was at to, 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 yes, he might need somebody like that, someone that's a stronger character, and you can see it with Alderweireld. Alderweireld is a, you know, I think he does like a tackle at times as well. He's very good in the ball, very good. He's got an authoritative voice. I don't see it with him. I don't see it with Eric Dyer at the moment. Now they've played him at right back, not been great there. He's done okay when he's played as a holding midfielder. Um, I don't think he, he's not going to be a player that's going to dominate a game from midfield. Centre-half, no. I think he gets caught out far too easily. Danny Rose is... If, like, if I was managing a Premier League team, Ari Kane is the obvious one. But Danny Rose, I think, is... Do you like Danny Rose? Oh, best left-back in the Premier League. Do you think? Comfortably. I think he's brilliant. I think he gives you the attacking threat. So he's, he's great at getting forward. Uh, knows to pick the right ball when he's pulling it back. Can play decent deliveries in. 
but he also gets back every time. So whereas Walker yeah. on the other side goes forward and have a nice little jog and he yeah. might get fouled and he'll fall over and complain as they go off on the attack. Rose is back like lightning every single time. But as you move forward then, that's where obviously the problems are for Spurs yeah. if you take Kane out of it. Do we not think there's been a massive improvement since Dembele's been back in the team? I think he just makes him tick. I think that Northland and Derby was just a masterclass mm. from, from Dembele. He was outstanding that day. He was out for a few games before that. Was it was the Northland and Derby his mm. first game back? I think it was, yeah. I think yeah, I'll, I'll maybe check that. We should check that one, really. We should before we should know the facts before we start saying that. I think well, you're right. It was, it, was, my, it was certainly uh, around that. It was certainly around mm, that. Let me flick here through my notes here and yeah. I'll tell you everything you want to know. Um, Mr. Dembele. He came back, uh, yeah, that was his first game back. Well done, another no, injury against uh, Bayer Leverkusen earlier that week. Right, well, that Northern and Derby, I think, was actually a watershed moment in Spurs this season because suddenly you had Harry Kane back in the team, you had Moussa Dembele back there, and I think he is just so crucial. He is that link between defence and attack, and I don't think Eric Dyer comes anywhere close to providing that link, and that's the, the problem I have with Eric Dyer is that... I just think he's too much of an attacker, really. I know he's always stationed in, in a deep-lying role or even in the back four, but I think his qualities are actually Dembele. on an offensive level. No, uh, Eric Dyer. Eric Dyer, right, yeah. So I don't think he provides that link between defence and attack anywhere near the level that Moussa Dembele does. And I just think if you go back and if you watch the full Arsenal-Spurs game from that day, just the way his, his link-up play, his passing, the way he manages to turn the emphasis of their yeah. play towards the opposition goal is second to none. I think as a pairing, they do look better when they have uh, Wanyama and Dembele. De- Wanyama's, uh, I, I think he's had good spells. I think he's probably you could probably argue he's been Tottenham's best player this season. I'd probably say he's been Wanyama. Tottenham's best player. Wanyama, yeah. I think he probably has consistently across the board. Um, but you know what you're getting with Wanyama. Yes, yeah, you do. But I think like, he, I you, think you're right in saying that you can't if you play Wanyama and and Dyer, it's not going to work. But Dembele is it would be better. I feel as though as well. And that combination looks well. But the problem is it's behind them. Then if if Alderweireld is not fit, you're going to play Dyer back in that back four. Mm. I don't think he's I don't think he's actually disciplined enough. I don't think he he he, he quite knows the position yet. You know he, he he's come through. Um, Maybe I'm, I'm maybe just casting a aspersion here, I suppose. But I, I look at him; he's come through Sporting Lisbon's academy, and everything's very technical. He's very, he's very good on the ball. He's very good at stepping in, mm. but I don't think he sees danger quick enough. I don't think he, he's able to get himself back into position quick enough once the ball's been given away, and that's where Tottenham were always very good. They, they would they play open, expansive football, but when they give the ball away, they, how quickly they got back into shape so quickly. They don't. I don't see, see them doing that. They certainly didn't do that the night against Leverkusen. Yeah. They were so poor. Uh, sorry, against Monaco. They were so poor when they give the ball away, and it was two passes, one and two passes, and they were straight in behind Tottenham's uh, back four, and that was the big problem, I think. So, desperate to get Alderweireld back. I don't know why Jan Vertonghen was on the bench of the night. Maybe he feels as though he's not. He might be injured. He might not be quite right. But why have him on the bench if he's not fit? Because he's head and shoulders above Vimmer, and he's head and shoulders yeah. above above Dyer. Eric Dyer doesn't have Unagi. Unagi? You know who Unagi is? Did you ever see it in Friends? No. A friend of mine's nickname is Unagi. So it's sensing danger ah. before danger appears. That's such a Joey episode. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Ro- it was Ross that, oh, was it? It was Ross that uh, said he had Unagi. You waffle some shite up. <laughs> <honest laughs> it's serious. That's serious. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a real thing. I'm telling you. It's you could have just used thing. the word awareness. Uh, I could have, but Unagi sounds better. Yeah. Uh, but, so, Pochettino's getting a lot of criticism. And... That midfield too, he has changed every season since he got there. So the first season he arrives in, it's Ryan Mason and mm-hmm. Nabil Bentaleb. 
which actually looked quite good at times. Yeah. Thought Ben Taleb looked like this really promising player. Hasn't been seen since. Uh, Mason, they've let go from the club. Last year, he goes with Dyer and Dembele, who, by and large, play really well throughout the season. Then he yeah. decides, actually, I'm going to go for Wanyama and play Wanyama and Dembele or Dyer or play Deli Alley deep. And he's just, he, like, for such a key part of the team, he doesn't seem to know... Yeah. What sort of balance? I he think wants. that's dictated though when the team's not playing particularly well. When when you have bad get when you have bad days, even though say Tottenham haven't been losing the Premier League, they haven't looked great. So you're going to want to change it. You're going to want to try and you know change things up. You can't mm. you can't continue what you're doing because you think the, the results are going to change. That you're not going to be drawing those games that you should have been losing. You're not going to be winning that perhaps you should have been drawing. So what he's doing, maybe he's trying to freshen things up, trying to change it to try to get a, a reaction from the players. I don't think that reaction has been there. Again, you beat West Ham at the weekend and you're looking at your 3-2. It's a great result, brilliant win, but they were, they were very poor. First off in particular, they were so poor. It was a bad watch, I actually watched them. And I thought West Ham played quite well, done a job on them. Tottenham started, got, got a bit of momentum, got the goal. You're thinking they're going to go on and win it. Only one team's going to win it from there, but then West Ham get back in front and West Ham shouldn't have lost from the position they were in. But then they've taken that, I think, that performance into that Monaco game and they look, they look poor. Again, poor watch at the moment anyway. I think Pochettino is starting to believe this kind of caricature that's not a caricature this character that's been painted of him in the press particularly at the back in the last season uh, when they were starting to go on this title run and people were like Pochettino comes in in pre-season and he completely clears the decks people who weren't willing to work for him were booted off the team I think Pochettino this season is like yeah I am that guy I am ruthless I'm going to cut you if you're not working hard enough for this team and suddenly you're seeing like the likes of Eric Lamella getting dropped early in the season mm. who actually was playing quite well Young Min Son comes in, does even better than him, so he gets a little bit of a save on that end. But now he's totally messing about with Eric Dyer, I think. And I think this is just a result of Pochettino believing in this cult that has been painted of him. Uh, particularly, like, David Heitner wrote a great piece about him last year. Um, and I, I think that kind of painted this idea of, as I say, a cult. That Pochettino was like, it's my way or the highway. You're going to come in, you're going to believe what we're going to do. And I think this season, I think that's gone to Pochettino's yeah. head a little bit. Well, Graeme Soonis is not having it. Graeme Soonis says he, he, he's followed his career very closely Graeme Soonis and uh, some people do their research which is yes. always good and he says he's always he, he, you literally you, you, the team we talked about the other night in the show the team performs for the first year two two yeah. years whatever it would be and then fall off a cliff after that third season because they can't maintain the levels that they play at that, that high intensity that real it, it's, it is tough it is tough to do that consistently he thinks the players almost cannot respond to it and you get to, it gets to a certain level and bang that's it you're gone mm. are we seeing that with Tottenham at the moment I don't know they're still unbeaten so you've got to say no they're still doing okay well, in the Saturday league. will probably answer a few questions yeah but can you name one Tottenham player who's playing better this season than last year Son yeah, yeah. he had that spell but even even the last night Jesus that chance right at the start when he should have brought it around the keeper yeah, like you yeah. have to score yeah, Lloris, got to, those opportunities. Larissa, well, Larissa is consistent. Yeah, yeah. He, he like Christian Eriksen, uh, no, who I still think is a massively overrated player. Like, Do you? Does, yeah, does, he's fine for finishing fourth or fifth or sixth, but I can't see any Champions League contending team signing Christian Eriksen. Fleets in and out of games, does mm. little bits here, drops deep, picks the ball up, gives a little five-yard pass, but doesn't link up enough with the striker. Doesn't get close enough. And even Dembele, who was brilliant in that North London derby. Like you want to see him doing that mm. 10, 20 games a season or doing it yeah. for, for long spells. 
Yeah, I, no, no, I even Deli Ali, I think, in the last. Yeah, Deli Ali's had injuries and in that. Yeah, he has. He's not. He's not quite been at it this season. Has That's he? kind of a positional thing as well, though, is it? Especially when Kane. Well, when Kane got injured, that was a big opportunity yeah, yeah. for Ali because it allowed him well, to play y- up front. You mentioned there before, and about maybe he's, he's, you know, he's, he's chopping and changing. He's maybe trying to go to the stereotypical Pochettino, maybe the, what, what everyone's seeing with him at the moment. But he has changed the system around this season. He's played two up front with. With Janssen and, and and Kane, I saw those two playing last weekend. Didn't work. Janssen doesn't look a player at all at the moment. He's no. really struggling for confidence. Played Eriksen in behind him actually, so it was almost like a little triangle up front. It was almost it was it actually played um, the Christmas tree formation, the old Terry Venables formation, four three two one. That's how they played. And uh, sorry, um, the change actually it was four three two one then four. Three one two, but anyway, regardless it's all of that, four four two really isn't it? Yeah, it is. You're, you're right. <laughs> That's how they were playing with Ericsson up. Ericsson, as you say, now I don't think he's been great. Positional sense with Deli Ali is what you're saying. Sometimes he's played him with what Nathan's saying. He's played him a bit deeper. He's yeah. played him off the left. He's played him as a ten, and he's just I don't know. Maybe he's just having a little bit of a. a a confidence um, spell or unconfident spell I don't know that he's just not quite at it no he isn't mm. he was so key to Spurs last year and I think the signing of Vincent Janssen has actually just screwed Spurs right over this year I think Pochettino yeah. just needed to keep his squad dormant over the summer and kind of get at it again to where they were in March or whenever they went on that great run last season but that point about Chris, Tr- Christian Eriksen um, you made there a minute ago I think if Christian Eriksen moves to a club in the summer just gone he goes to a place like Stoke or somewhere like that he's at Jordan Shakiri's level that's how I'd put him like doing well he did well at Euro 2012 I think that's when he got noticed uh, mm. for Denmark that was certainly his first major tournament as a player uh, and Spurs snap him up from that I'd, I'd put him at Shakiri level and I could easily see in the, the summer just gone when people were spending crazy money on every sort of player that he, he he's really not a top four player. Oh, good shout. Good shout. What about Leicester then? Quick one on Leicester. <sighs> I, I, I just, I don't really care what they do in the Premier League as long as they don't get relegated. What it reinforces is just how great an achievement last season was. It was interesting, the team selection on Tuesday night, which was pretty much the team that won the league last year. Yeah with the exception of Andy King coming in for N'Golo Kante. Aside from that, it was the starting eleven that played every game and they were all the better for it. And that's more or less been the case in Europe. Because they're not used to this situation, they're having to make a lot of changes. Like, you look at the bench the last night, it was more or less all their summer signings and a couple of the subs from last year. Players mm. who were playing a lot of league games. So they're making four or five changes. Yeah. But that, that, that's, out of, that's out of lack of form as well. You're not, yeah. ma- managers are always going to have to try and change things up when, when performances aren't great. We've talked about Pochettino doing that before, but that's what Ranieri's had to do. He's got to try and change things around when performances aren't quite there. It seems to be whatever's happening in Europe, it's working for them, whether or not it's that freshness, that newness as mm. well. They're in there and they're doing great. They are doing great in Europe, and again, it's another great result for them as well. And I had a little, I had a little bet the other night as well. I had both teams to score in both Tottenham and Monaco, and uh, Leicester and Bruges. So that came in for me at nine to two. So it was a little, nice little one, yeah. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thanks for that. Just After thought, I thought I'd drop that in you. Anyway, let's go on to before. Gareth Bale. And Gareth Bale, I have a quick one on him. Just ahead of the, how long we got? How long we got time wise before we go on to the, the weekends? Well, we ain't got much time, I don't think. Anyway, Gareth Bale, quick one, injury. Uh, it, it's got a lot of um, it's got a lot of significance for that game. I feel mm-hmm. in going into into the March international, big blow for Wales. We're, we're I think we're all hoping that Bale's not going to be fit, aren't we? Yeah, bang on. Twenty fourth November today when we're recording this, Gareth Bale out for up to four months. 
bang on four months time 24th of March we play Wales in the Aviva Stadium so it's just going to dominate every single headline that's Ireland related between now and then whenever Martin O'Neill does an interview he's going to be asked about the importance of Gareth Bale whenever we see Chris Coleman on Sky Sports News he's going to be asked how's Gareth Bale getting on so we haven't now we may as well just pre-record all our radio pieces in the build up to the game because it's all going to be Gareth Bale related Do you think think it puts more pressure on I say if Bale, you would imagine he would be fit. You know, he's, he's going to probably target. I don't know. Certainly, the the next phase phase of the Champions League for Real Madrid if he's trying to get back early. But does it put more pressure on him, on Coleman, on the team to perform? I'm talking Wales here for that game as well because that's all that that's all that we'll be talking about lead up to the game. Is Bale quite at it? Yeah, I, I, th- I to be honest with you, I think uh, when Bale is in the team, there's a little bit more pressure on them, but it's kind of a good pressure. I think Bale is sort of well, he's obviously the captain of the team, but he's. Cl- clearly the most passionate of, of all the Welsh players in there and that's really saying something because that's a, one hell of I'm a not dig he's not captain though is he? Oh Ashley Williams is captain yeah, sorry so yeah, I don't want to dig you out there but yeah go on sorry yeah. well uh, at least uh, at least I said myself there a little bit um, <laughs> I, I just think Bale is like kind of like Adam Lallana when he puts on an England jersey Adam Lallana kind of turns into this lion and gets so passionate about every little thing uh, a completed <laughs> pass yeah. He is a passionate man. He is. Com- yeah. Completes a pass, does a little fist pump. I think Gareth Bale <laughs> takes that to a whole new level when it comes to, to Welsh football. So I think when he's in the team, the pressure kind of increases a little bit more. He's the guy leading that huddle. He's like, come on, lads, we got to, whatever the, the Welsh version of Braveheart like he ran is. He here when he played for Ireland. I don't know. No, he can't say that, you know. When he got the old 10-yard pass. No, you know what I used to do? I did, and it was something that Paddy Bonner said to me when I first came into the into the Irish side. And Kick it long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a bit like that. No, but what you say to you, good impression of Paki Bonner yeah, there. Yeah, well, Paki used to say to me because Paki was coaching at the time. Paki said to me, he "Goes he used to target, you know, trying to peak for international games." I tried to do that. I did. I tried. To, really? I'd, I'd always look ahead for when the next Ireland game would have been. I'm not saying some might say maybe to be detriment probably at club level. I don't know, but I, I did used to look at the international games, and that was always my focus on on everything. Um, no matter whether it was a, a month away, two months away, whatever it would Good be. Good thing Cumin wasn't your manager at the time. Yeah, I'd have been struggling then, wouldn't I? I would have been struggling. Yeah, Jesus. I think if, if he doesn't have any setbacks, he'd be fit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. That's what I think. I think he'd be fit. I think, but I just think it just might put a bit more pressure on him if he isn't quite flying when he when he does get himself back fit. You'd be looking to nail him early on now. Yeah. Would you? <laughs> would you? Is that, the, is that what the tactics that Martin O'Neill should should tell? Well, I presume that'd be James McCarthy, well. Glenn Whelan, I, you can tell uh, Harry James Arthur. McCarthy that, and you'd be doing well to get him to do it. It's going to be one hell of a battle, though. As I say, you can almost preview this game right now: Coleman versus Bale. I think you've mm-hmm. you've already got your matchup right there, which is going to be pretty. Although Bale Just does get, kind of play more. Quick one on Coleman there. I only said was I was. I'm not going to name well. I will name drop. I went for a bit of lunch today with Kenny Cunningham, Gary Breen, and Keith Andrews. Had a chat. And that's, we, that's a hell of a day. Wasn't <laughs> yeah. invited to that lunch either. Yeah, no, no. Just had a quick bit of lunch. But you know what we were talking about today? We came up in conversation. The best Irish right back. Now we've had some top right backs. You talk, we talk about Seamus Coleman here, Stephen and we've Finnan. got Steve Finnan, we've got Stephen Carr, we've got Gary Kelly, and Dennis Irwin. Brilliant, you know, brilliant, brilliant. I mean, you know what? We're going to talk about that next week because we've probably not Stephen got enough Kelly. time. Stephen Kelly, there Paul you go. McShane. Yeah. Now I'll tell you what. Now we've had some unbelievable. John O'Shea. Uh, John O'Shea play right back at Euro twenty twelve. Possibly, possibly. No, let's no. Think, Coleman does. We're coming back no, to he that. Wasn't squad. Oh yeah, yeah. He, wasn't, he wasn't. No, we're going to come back to that. Right, we're going to come back to that. That's good one for next week. Ireland's yeah. best ever right back. Best ever right get back. Get your tweets in now. Yeah, get the tweets at in. Off, off the, the ball. ball at KD Kilban seven seven at Nathan Murph M U R F. 
at Owen Sheehan, E O I N S H E A H A N. Right, there you go. Yeah, get get the tweets in. We'll, we'll be we'll be all over this one. Uh, right, we're going to do the fixtures for the weekend as well. So, first of all, I'm at this game actually. I'm at Burnley Man City. If it's a twelve thirty kickoff Saturday morning, uh, Burnley nine to one at home, nine to two the draw, uh, hundred to thirty on, three to ten uh, for for Man City. What are you thinking? I'm thinking Sean Dyche. His voice will be gone before kickoff with the bollockings he'll be giving those Burnley players after the performance against West Brom last week. Don't get a response. Ooh, the draw. Nine to two, the draw. It's a good, good price. Oh, going to lay City. City are going to win that game. Uh, like uh, last night's performance, I don't think it's going to have much to do with it. I think it was just last weekend's performance is going to be the one thing driving them. I think Aguero is going to score two or three in that game. Do you think? Yeah, heard it here. I just, I just think Burnley. Once you get beaten by four goals against West Brom, there's only so much that Sean Dyche can do to take them from that level. You've been beaten four 0 by West Brom. Yeah. Do you know what he'll do though? He'll shut up shop. He'll literally go and try and contain through the whole game. We're looking at. They'll probably look at it as something like a Liverpool performance in this one. I don't think it'd be clear cut. I think City will win. I think City might win one 0 in this one. Uh, but I, I'll go with City on this one. I think City are going to win it. Yeah. Anyway, right. Three o'clock. Your third three o'clock kickoff. Hull West Brom. What do we say? We're going to have to come another back to that. Kil- another Kilban Derby. Yeah, Hull uh, seven to four at home. It's not not the worst price. Nine to four the draw. Thirteen to eight West Brom. Now we spoke about West Brom last week. Uh, we spoke about Burnley uh, West Brom or West Brom Burnley should I say last week? And we said no goals, very West little in the sides. It won't be a great, won't be a classic. Very very tight game. As it turns out, West Brom win four nil. Yeah, three nil up at half time. Yeah, very enjoyable Monday evening. Spent. It was. It was actually. So what do you think? Hull, Hull uh, West Brom, what do you think? Uh, Hull have somehow been winning games this season despite being pretty terrible. But they've been, no, they've been off form recently. Well, they won, they won two games ago, they yeah. lost to Sunderland. They Bad. beat Southampton two weeks ago. Yeah, 3-0 yeah. three yeah. nil, three nil Sunderland, I'm going to go West Brom. I'm going to go West Brom. I fancy West Brom to win that 13-8. Matt Phillips, 1-0. One 1-0, nil. One nil. good shout. Le- Leicester Middlesbrough doesn't stink of a, of a classic this one as well I have to say that Leicester 5-6 to six at home Look, seems like a good price to me 13-5 to five the draw 100-30 uh, to 10-3 to uh, on Middlesbrough I covered Middlesbrough last Sunday and I was pretty impressed with the way they line up I thought Ben Gibson was destined for greater things Kilban tells me he's at his level no, I, th- I think he's. I, d- I don't think he's going to play for one of the top clubs if he goes to one of the top clubs I don't think he'll be at a John Terry level. I don't think he'll be at a real Ferdinand level. I think he's. A, I think he's a very good Premier League footballer. I think he. I think he could play for Stoke. I think that's maybe where he could move on to. So, someone like that. Yeah, I think he. I think he's very good. Uh, I think Middlesbrough get something from this game. They've been mm. better away from home uh, than at home. Their home form has been terrible. Uh, draw thirteen to five. The draw. What do you think? Yeah, about? I think they're going to get a draw there as well. I, I. It's very evident as well why that's happening. This home away contrast. I think they. I think you guys outlined it actually a match of the day too on Sunday. Just kind of the way. Thanks for that. Uh, Laurel. Laurel was great. Yeah, it was all Laurel. <laughs> uh, it was just the way um, Alvaro Negredo gets. Chappers made some good points. <laughs> Uh, just the way Alvaro Negredo gets completely isolated at home um, when they have a lot of control of the ball just a little bit of a dud up front but when when they're on the road mm. especially against the Leicester I think they'll do alright there Leicester after Europe as well qualifying we're going to slip back to the wrong ways again I think it could be a draw that one as well actually I think it'll be a score and draw both teams to score and a draw score and draw one all I'm going to go for in that one uh, big one as well big one at Anfield Liverpool Sunderland Sunderland off the back of uh, two wins playing well Liverpool 1-7 to seven. Uh, Fifteen to two, the draw, and and then Sunderland. I've got to read this one back. Sunderland sixteen to one to win at Anfield. Says it all, doesn't it? I will go Liverpool 
minus two. Do you think, yeah? Yeah, I think they're going to win most games at Anfield quite comfortably. Yeah, yeah I'd agree with that. Although Sunderland back-to-back wins, isn't it? So yeah. uh, they're on a little bit of an upward curve. They beat two crappy teams, though. Yeah, been on the lash for the yeah, last week. I, I wouldn't be touching Liverpool at one to seven, but I do think no. Liverpool will win it. I think they've got too much in in that one. Yeah, I do. Swansea Palace, Swansea uh, thirteen to eight, nine to four the draw, seven to four Palace. Uh, Swansea in trouble, bad trouble. Bob Bradley's under massive pressure. Um, I think this could this is a game where you you go at home. I think he'd I think he'd actually prefer to play at Palace in this one. I think he'd rather be away from home where the pressure's on Pards. Yeah, I think that I think Palace will win this. I do fancy Palace at 7-4. to four. I think Palace will win it. No, I think Swansea are going to get their first three points in the yeah. Bradley this weekend. Although I just don't get this kind of weird chopping and changing that Bob Bradley is doing. I mean, his first game he comes in and he makes wholesale changes to his back four without after only having, like what was it, 48 hours or so with the team. But probably a bit longer than that. I think he had the bulk of a week. Yeah. But he hadn't seen them competitively and he makes all these changes, which I think was based entirely on videotape and not on kind of up close and personal contact with the actual team in training. Yeah. And now suddenly he's reversed those changes. He brings Jordi Amat back into the back four. I'd know because I sold him on my fantasy football team last week. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing, Bob? Um, I Like, he talks a lot about the process. Yeah. He is like the Jim Gavin of soccer. And yeah. I, I do think that we are starting to see a few signs of the process. They were, what, what, they were better what, last weekend. What do, you, what do you think when someone starts talking about a process? I think they're talking a lot of bullshit, to be honest. But then I think with Bob Bradley, it's... Bitter carry man. No, yeah. no, no. I, I I, just think there's a lot of waffle like that as well. You talk about you talk about things like that, but... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but was that not learned from American coaching? Yeah, that's, probably. So people like... Um, like You talk about Jim Gavin, who is uh, an obs- is obsessed with American football. So he takes yeah. a lot from there. A huge American football fan. Uh, and the way they can project themselves. Like Bob Bradley talks very well yeah. he's well able to communicate uh, and it can come across as bullshit yeah but I think as well when you're losing it's, it, it's, it doesn't um, sound good it's certainly like to me it seems like it's it's very much an interview type manager mm. they'll they'll be great in interviews they'll do great presentations they'll they'll talk um, they'll, they'll say great things they'll pro- I say project themselves really well they'll bring in whatever a, a great philosophy to the club of what they'll talk about but at the end of the day it's almost as if you kind of what I think with it it's you kind of you you're learning how to be on a level of businessmen, and it's very very um, it's you know a, a, then a businessman might be I don't know what I'm trying to Wild say really yeah wow yeah but I'm, I'm I'm trying to yeah that's basically what I'm saying yeah essentially that's what it is a, a businessman would would love hearing all these sort of words again process about philosophies about all all these sort of things and. It just ends up becoming it, it clouds what actually is to become a football manager and a coach because a lot of it goes out the window when a game starts. He's going to need a few more goal shots from Fernando Llorente to turn things around. What do you think, Nath? I do like Pards. I think Palace have a habit of getting a result when they yeah not been in great more. form, not been in great form themselves. No, and Swansea, who were such a model of consistency, now I really don't. You look at the team and you go, who else? Who are these guys? Yeah, mm, I know. Palace, Palace win. I think Palace win as well. Um, Tottenham. This is the big one you talked about before with Pochettino. Big one for Tottenham this weekend at Chelsea. Chelsea eight to eleven, eleven to four. The draw four to one. Tottenham. Big prize for them for Tottenham as well, mm. though. But uh, yeah, what do you think? What? Like the way Chelsea's been playing, it's hard to bet against them. But there's got to be some sort of a response from Tottenham. Yeah, they've got to be at it. Uh, 
obviously you think back to the game at the end of last season when it was a little bit of niggle. You'd hope that there's still something there from I that as well. I would hope so. I think it'd be a good one to one watch this. Tear into each other. Yeah. Proper. And of course, we say Chelsea haven't conceded in the last six, is it now? Six now. Six they haven't conceded with three at the back. Three no. at the back. Change of system, no goals conceded. They haven't working conceded so well. since they brought Victor Moses and Marco Alonso into the side, mm. yeah. just as I predicted. Marco or Marcos? Marcos. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think Chelsea will win it. I think I'm going to go. That, I'm going to stick Chelsea in, in one of my doubles at the weekend as well. Oh, yeah. Chelsea eight to eleven. Just bet Chelsea something nil every week, and you've got a good chance of winning that bet. Mm. Chelsea to win to nil. Is that your bet of the weekend? Yeah. Then Owen, Chelsea to win to nil. Good price. Move on to Sunday. Um, Nathan, we'll, we'll go first of all on you and I at first. We're we're at uh, Man United West Ham, Nathan, yeah. aren't we? On Sunday, which would be good. Man United four to nine, seven to two the draw. West Ham a massive thirteen to two to win. I take the draw. I take the draw on that Still, as well. I'll be interested to see what team he picks, whether he puts Ibrahimovic. I saw a little bit of West Ham in. last week thinking mm. they'd maybe turned a corner, conceded two crap goals late on, but I think they've got a chance here. Have United not cor- turned a corner themselves a little bit? Looking brighter, looked better last week, didn't they? Yeah, and well, particularly the week before that, like before Ro- Rooney went off on his international break, he actually looked quite good in that game. Uh, I know it's a one very small menial moment, but even uh, though Mourinho says he's slow, yeah, but like just for his Zlatan, was that not blown out of I all know, proportion? I know, I know, but that's but the headline, though, isn't it? Just that one moment for his Zlatan's goal in that game that they were—I can't even remember who they were playing before the international break—but that fantastic goal Zlatan scores. People forget the little hook from Wayne Rooney just in the build-up to that, which would show the athleticism of a twenty-five-year-old again. I'm like this guy—he's—he's he's not gone just yet. Yeah, what do you think? What yeah, you say? but will either of those players start? is what I wonder and everything that was good about last week's performance if they come back in does that disappear yeah I, I definitely think West Ham can get something out of this I think they can as well I th- I, I'd go I'd go and draw on that you nah, United to win United win United win for you uh, Watford Stoke Watford 11-8 to 9-4 uh, the draw 21-10 to 10, Stoke very excited about this oh yeah yeah overly excited overly excited brilliant about, uh, Watford against Stoke Watford you know what? I think this would be a decent game. Watford play open, expansive football. I think Watford have really impressed me this season when I've seen mm. them. I think they're playing good stuff. Good win against Leicester last week. Um, the lad Pereira, has he been impressive this season? I think Stoke will win that. Uh, sorry, I think Watford will win that. Yeah, so do I. I think Watford at 11-8. No Glenn Whelan for Stoke. No. Huge miss. Yeah. I, I think the Pereira factor is huge. Like He's at that Christian Eriksen, Shakiri level that I mentioned earlier on. Kind of Can you make re- a list for next week of all the players that are at the Christian Eriksen level? At yeah. that specific level. Pereira is at that level, one of those kind of cues from a lesser Premier League team from Juventus. Mm. Fantastic goal as well. Uh, and He's actually kind of settled a lot quicker than I thought. Mm. I know it's, it's cliche and it's typical to say this, but as soon as a flashy player from Syria comes to the Premier League, you're like, right, it's going to take this guy a season to settle in. But that goal kind of is the start of something, I'd suspect. We've got Jose Holobas back as well, my favourite Watford player. Nothing to do with fantasy football, I swear. He's back. Uh, I think they'll keep a clean sheet in that game and they'll win. Yeah. Hmm. Good. Arsenal Bournemouth. Arsenal one to three, four to one the draw, seventeen to two Bournemouth. Bournemouth played well last week against Stoke. Yeah. At times, I mean, I think Stoke should have actually taken something from the game, but Bournemouth in spells look very good. They create chances. I don't think they'll have enough here to beat Arsenal. Though. No Wiltshire, which will be a problem for yeah. Bournemouth as well. Yeah, I think. Uh, like it's going to be a really tough day for Harry Arter uh, going up against that Arsenal midfield. These are the type of games Arsenal are just winning pretty comfortably now. You'd like to think so, but you know Arsenal's still having these inconsistent spells, aren't they? So uh, I, I, I do think Arsenal will win it. One to three wouldn't be a price I'd be looking at, but I think Arsenal will win it. Yeah, same. Yeah, and then last of all, then we've got Southampton Everton. Southampton even money five to two the draw, eleven to four Everton. 
funny yeah. one at the moment, Everton, aren't they? Well, both of them, I think, are sort of in a funny position mm. because we're only a quarter of the way, just over a quarter of the way into the season. And you're already looking at the two clubs and thinking, what have you really got to play for? Mm. You're going to finish between sixth and ninth. And have you got it in you to kick on and even challenge for a Champions place, League place? It doesn't look like it. Uh, mm. Everton have sort of plateaued over the last few weeks, probably to the level that they're at. They need more signings. They yeah. need, like, it seems as though they have a lot of money to spend during January if they can convince some players to come. Maybe we'll see them in 18 months' time, been yeah. a far greater prospect. But I'm looking at that as well, yeah. They don't, at the moment, look as though they really have enough quality to challenge for a Champions League. And Southampton are just frustrating, even though they've mm. done well, considering they've changed manager again, they lost a couple of players. But they constantly throw in these really stupid defeats, like that defeat mm. to Hull. Yeah. And every season you could look back on Southampton season and pick three games that they've lost to teams <laughs> in the bottom half and say, if you hadn't lost them, what could have happened? Been, yeah. Yeah. And do they have, like Charlie Austin, I know, went on a run. Do they have a goal scorer? Mm. Charlie Austin, huge money there at Southampton. You wonder sometimes how, how clubs can sustain, you know, bringing players in on big, big money, Charlie Austin, players mm. like that as well. It's um, it's almost if the because I don't see any resale value on it. That's the thing. I can't see Charlie Austin moving on somewhere else. So they're relying on him then to get fifteen goals, aren't they? Yeah. And that's where that's where maybe you've if he's not producing that, then where where are you going to turn to? So it's a difficult one. I I just think it's a standout price at five to two for the draw on that one. I yeah. think it's a draw. Yeah. Good good price out on the draw. I think. I think we're all probably sitting on the fence in it, but I think that one. I do think that anyway. Where's your double then? Double. Is, I'll, I'll do my quick double for you anyway this weekend. I think West Brom. West Brom at thirteen to eight. And Chelsea at eight to eleven. There's my double this weekend. And I'd, if I'm going to do a little treble, I'd stick in Watford as well in a little treble as well. But that's me, me double for the weekend. Well, I bigged up Watford last yeah. weekend. That was a great bet. That. The, and I put it in my double at the weekend. Yeah. I had I had a double I it was myself the bet last of the week. weekend. Brilliant. I would go for Watford uh, again. And the other one I would go for is Middlesbrough to beat Leicester. Would you? So Watford, at what price? What price in Middlesbrough? Sorry, uh, ten to three. Good price. Yeah. Good double that. I probably have to go along with you in terms of Chelsea at uh, eight to eleven against Spurs. I think they're going to pick up all three points there. Obviously, really no no value in Arsenal, no value in Liverpool. So I'm going to go for throwing the draw in Leicester, Middlesbrough. Good, good double. Mm-hmm. I think that's all from us this weekend. Thank you very Any much. Any more uh, congregations of former Ireland players that you don't want to invite me to? Uh, no, no, you'll be invited to the next one. Don't worry, don't worry. Next, next year, the barbecue. Next barbecue. year, you're invited to. Yeah, we, we, I tell you, we'll have the we'll have the Christmas drinks in, in the next couple of weeks. Anyway, there'll be one or two stories from that. I'm sure. Anyway, yeah. All right, all the best. Take it easy.